Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hello again, friends. We are blessed that you've joined us today on this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. My name is John Russin. I'm here to sort of steer the conversation and I'm joined by my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. And it seems, Frank, that you're getting a little more settled and more of a routine now that your move is done. Yeah, it's, it's nice to have a home again. You know, <laughs> we were on the move there for a while, different homes every couple of weeks as we were kind of gypsies. She said, we're kind of like the Israelites wandering. I said, yeah, the only difference is we have 10 times as much stuff as they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you didn't have a mixed multitude hanging around to help you carry it. There you go. Yeah. Well, friends, if you've joined us today for the first time, uh, Frank and I are in the middle of our, our running conversation on the Epistle to the Colossians. And we've been talking about chapter one and now the beginning of chapter two, focusing heavily on Paul's compassion for these young believers in Colossae. And then we spent three or four weeks talking about suffering, how Paul suffered for them, uh, the purpose of suffering in his life, the purpose of suffering in our life. And so if you're like most of us and we've got things that we're struggling through, please check out some of those earlier episodes. Uh, we trust that they will strike a chord with you and, and minister life. So Frank, I wanna pick up today in chapter two where we left off last time. And I want to read again verses two and three, where Paul described to the Colossians why he willingly suffered. He writes, they suffered so their hearts would be encouraged, being knit together in love, so that they'd reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now, Frank, if you recall, we looked at that last time from a perspective of Paul's compassion and his prayer for the Colossians. But today I want to look at it a little differently. And Paul's compassion and his prayers are there for a reason, because this passage begins to give us our first glimpse as to some of the things that the Colossians were struggling with. So I want to dive back in and dredge up again those amazing words that Paul wrote. What superlatives? He says, all the riches of full assurance of understanding, the knowledge of God's mystery, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden in Christ. Frank, this is how Paul prayed for them, not only so that they'd have them, but because he didn't want them to look someplace else. And this is where it ties into uh, the struggles that the Colossians have because they were dealing with false teachers. We'll see that in a few weeks. But he wants them to look to Christ and Christ alone because that's where every answer is. So, Frank, I want to begin by asking you a question. How often have folks come into your office for counseling and they've been looking to things other than Jesus Christ? And you don't have to laugh, because <laughs> I will. 
Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, that is the great distraction. In fact, we should probably write a book called The Great Distraction. And then the subtitle could be Of Which There Are a Multitude. Mm -hmm. If you look at the world we live in, John, it's an amazing place made by a father for his kids. I will often refer to it as a playground. But that design was for those two kids in the Garden of Eden who knew nothing but God. God was their life. And so it was a playground enjoyed, but it was not a playground that consumed them. But after eating from the forbidden tree and and being separated from God, mankind has become consumed with the playground. And separated from God, and then you have a liar, so there's distortions about God. And before you know it, man forgets how good God is and the original intention of God to be good to mankind, to be life. And then man starts to doubt the goodness of God and then look to life in other sources. And And I just find it fascinating, John, if we could maybe take a quick note at verse 1. You've pointed out for several weeks that Paul was writing this from a prison, and he talked about how he was suffering. And you would think when he says, I want you to know my struggle, that he would be talking about his own struggles and maybe even a pity party and say, won't you pray for me? But he says, my struggle is for you. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. And he says, the danger that you have, that you will look to other than Christ. You know, John, like you say, the superlatives, all of the wealth comes from the full assurance of knowing Christ, a true knowledge of God's mystery, that which was not known before, but is now known. And I love the way he answers this. That is Christ. And I'm looking at the New American Standard And I don't normally like italics because that is the translator's edition, but I like this italics. (laughs) He says, Christ himself to call us to attention that all of those blessings are hidden. The treasures are hidden in Christ and in Christ alone. Boy, if the church only knew that we would be consumed with Jesus instead of looking on the outside to try to satisfy us when we already have on the inside the person of Christ who is all we need. Frank, you mentioned the word hidden in Christ. I want to spend a moment talking about that because when all of us face the struggles that come into our lives, we can be so easily tempted to scramble around in desperation, looking for an answer, looking for relief, looking for something or someone that can explain to us what's going on and guarantee that this is going to be okay. Well, that's where the hidden in Christ comes in because all the information's in there, but it's in there with him. All the answers are there. The comfort's there. The peace is there. The joy, the rest is all wrapped up in him, but it's not sitting on a shelf. We just pick it up and grab it and a whim it's hidden. We've got to 
force ourselves to look past the circumstances and do deep dives into Jesus, because that's when we will begin to unpack these blessings that are ours. It really takes a focused effort on our part to set our minds, Paul will tell them later in a chapter or two, set our minds on things above so that we won't be distracted by these things that are circling around us like, like mosquitoes buzzing around our head. So this hidden in Christ is just so revealing as to where we are to look for the peace that we want. Oh, John, you know, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, this verse is coming at my brain. In 1 John, he said, love not the world. And then he talked about it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we need to interpret that, what that means, the lust of the flesh, uh, just my desires, the lust of the eyes, that which I see, and the pride of life, that I know best what I need. And so within every one of us is this potential to believe that we're in charge, that we can take care of ourselves, and we take care of ourselves by laying hold of what we see. And it takes a tenacious amount of faith, in this sense, a will to believe what we believe. Do we really believe that Christ is our sufficiency? Do we really believe that he's good enough? I think that's probably the greatest struggle for all of us. I know it is for me that my God is too small and I am too large in my own eyes. And whenever that's the way we function, we're going to be putting an awful lot on us and we're going to miss all that God wants to do for us. But it's so very easy for us to do that and be distracted, as that key word you mentioned when we started out today, by what we see. I can see what I see. I don't see God. I only see him through eyes of faith. And so, yeah, you're right. It requires a will. I think of that great declaration of Peter. I think it should be every one of our declaration. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe, help my unbelief. You are so right. But you know, Frank, when it's so easy to not do that mm-hmm. when the circumstances are screaming. And this is where the enemy can really begin to distract us because this is what the Colossians were facing. False teachers were coming in. And as false teachers do, they claim to have some superior insight into the gospel. You know, we'll, we'll read about this later in a few weeks when we get there, talking about angel worship and food and drink and holy days and these things. But they tend to portray that they've got an angle. They know what's really happening. They have a special knowledge. They've got a new teaching. They've just discovered some new secrets. Hey, I've written a new book. It's got a new message that are supposed to help clear the smoke from our lives, make us closer to God, help us enjoy our blessings more, make our Christian lives simple and easy. My goodness, Frank, back when there were Christian bookstores, I don't know how many times I'd walk through and see the titles on how to do this, how to do that, 10 steps to A, six steps to B. My goodness, there is no shortage of people who will put any solution out there 
except the solution of doing a deep dive and working hard to trust our Savior. My goodness. It seems like the church uh, is doesn't know anything sometimes based on the titles that you can read in Christian bookstores. Yeah, and again, John, you know, it's it's that we're consumed with doing instead of being, because it's only in the being that we will be able to experience him who alone can provide the life to do. <laughs> in Paul, when he said to the Corinthians, be careful, boy, that ought to grab every yeah. one of our attention, be careful, don't ever lose the simplicity of Christ, because Christ is sufficient. He offers us his own life, his strength, his mercy, his peace, his joy. So if we would only understand that, we wouldn't always be looking for the more, uh, how to have joy in your life, how to have peace, how to you know, be able to do this and how to be able to do that. It's all wrapped up in a person, not so much in a practice. The practice is really practicing the presence of the person, realizing that we live from him. He supplies us with all that we need. But the problem is, you know, John, when we're not experiencing, we have troubles, we have afflictions, we have doubts. We are ripe for people to come along and say, hey, I've got what you're missing. And the truth is, we're not missing anything. We've got Jesus. And when you have Jesus, you have it all. But the problem is when they write these books and they're very slick talkers, entertaining, humorous, and, and they draw us aside with their charismatic personality instead of the foundation of Jesus. And throughout the New Testament, this is what Paul was always trying to do. He said the church is built on a foundation, and it's the teaching about Christ. He said, I didn't come to you, Corinthians, with anything but one, Christ crucified. Galatians, I marvel that you're so quickly departing from him to another doctrine, and perhaps the best place of all, Philippians. He says, I have one thing. Boy, that ought to rouse attention oh, that's in right. every one of us. One thing. Yeah, and so we could maybe start asking that of other believers and of each other and of our own lives. What's your one thing? What's your one thing? And Paul's answer was, I press on that I might know him. And I leave behind every other thing that does not lead me to him. Wow. Yeah, really. And you know, Frank, I'm, I'm listening to your talk. And I'm thinking about our lives and the lives of all believers, really, who, who struggle with different circumstances that Father parts the hedge and allows in. And honestly, my friend, we don't have a lot of understanding sometimes as to what's happening, why it's happening, which is why we tend to clamor around and look desperately for somebody who does. James 1 comes to mind as we're talking through this as to how to handle things when we face struggles, when we face suffering, we don't understand. The way seems dark. And James 1 says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, and that's all of us at, at different <laughs> points, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God, 
who gives generously to all without reproach. And so the answer is not the cult or the slick talker or turning to what we do so often, uh, you know, our favorite sins, our go-to sins that provide comfort and assurance, whatever they might be. It's if you lack wisdom, if you're confused and you don't understand, ask God. Now, when I thought about this, Frank, I see a couple of things that can happen. Sometimes he just opens my eyes, my mental eyes, and he gives me insight. He reveals to me what's happening mm. and, and what my steps need to be to go forward in obedience. Mm. But sometimes, my friend, and this is where it gets even harder, sometimes he doesn't say anything. Mm. Uh, he just doesn't. And so the only choice we have is just to trust him to take that next step, even when we don't know where to place our foot, and then trust him further to open our eyes when the time is right and give us the understanding that we need when we need it. But more often than not, we seek wisdom elsewhere. And it doesn't make it okay to seek wisdom elsewhere, just because Father is not giving us the answers that we demand. And so it's never okay to to answer our legitimate questions with illegitimate answers or to meet our legitimate needs with, with illegitimate uh, solutions, does it? Mm. Yeah, John, and, and really, boy, you hate to say this, but even though they may be good things that you're being called to, good things can be a distraction if those are things you ultimately depend on instead of upon the truth of his word and the person of his own life in you. You know, John, I'm looking at this verse. You brought it up. He really wants them to understand who Jesus is to them right now, because there are those out there who will delude you or seek to delude you as a believer. And I love the language with persuasive argument. Oh, yes. I hear people a lot of times and they say, boy, wasn't that a great teacher? Isn't he a great teacher? And I've made it a point over the last few years not to be mean. That's, that's not my heart. But to make people think. And I'll say something like, no, he's a great speaker. But he's not necessarily a great teacher. And that'll get their attention. And they say, well, what do you mean? I said, there are a lot of people that are great speakers. They're charismatic, they're excited, they're easy to listen to. They can be powerful people to sit under. But that's only great speaking. A great teacher is limited to those people who lead you to the face of Jesus Christ. That's what makes a great teacher. That's right. And the nefarious aspect of some of these teachers, Frank, you pointed this out in that verse, verse four, I say this so that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. These are not casual confusions. These are deceptions, purposeful deceptions. They're circumventing the truth. Uh, they have a harmful intent. They have speech that's designed to persuade. So this is kind of the warning that Paul says, that this is what's out there. When you don't set your mind on Christ and turn to him for wisdom when your whole world is upside down, 
there is no shortage of messages, messengers fueled by the enemy that are designed to confuse us, to lie to us, to trick us into things that just sound so good and so right. Frank, I can't help but think about Genesis chapter three and the quintessential used car salesman that the enemy was (laughs) in chapter three of Genesis. Mm. He just made a pitch that was so good and sounded so right. It couldn't possibly be a lie, but man, it was, it truly was. And we as humankind have been struggling with the consequences of that sales pitch uh, ever since uh, the Garden of Eden. My goodness. Mm. Yeah, John, anything that adds to Jesus or takes away from Jesus that does not allow him to be sufficient is ultimately going to be a lie. And that's why, you know, in the body of Christ, we have to remind ourselves, anytime you hear somebody saying more, 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 they're really missing the point of the new covenant. And we need to be content with the simplicity of Jesus. Uh, We don't need new. We don't need novel. We need intimate union with him. Uh, There's just no other way to state it except that simplistically. He wants to be our everything. He wants to be life to us. And there are no small amount of people who are out there like you said, to very deceptively lead you away from him with a message that can sound really good to your mind. But this is not intellectual. It's spiritual. It's uh, doctrinal. It's what is truth. Truth is a person. What is peace? Peace is a person. Uh, Jesus is everything. He is our all in all. That's right. Let our mind drift from the one who is our all in all, we got to realize that we are constantly in the enemy's crosshairs. We don't Mm. know it, but we are constantly in his crosshairs and he will never stop trying to parade in front of us perfectly tailored deceptions, things that just strike a chord with me or strike a chord with you and will try to get us to steer our eyes away from Jesus. Kind of like strolling down in a shop and looking down an aisle and, you know, you're looking at everything until finally something jumps out at you. You know, people are window shopping. They shop until something jumps out. That's kind of the way it is. But the point is that this happens to all of us and we need to be aware that we do have an enemy and he is extremely subtle. And the last thing our savior wants, the last thing we really want is to turn from him and bite on one of these fantasies that he parades in front of us. Because it will, as you've said so often, it will turn out to be a lie. I call them hollow bunnies. They look good on the outside, but there's (laughs) nothing on the inside. And we'll wind up saying, how on earth did I get here? This looks so good. So, right. So, Frank, this is really what warfare looks like. It's a battle for our minds, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, that's a great thought, John, that I think our listeners need to understand because a lot of the church doesn't understand this. We are not in a power struggle with the enemy. He was defeated at the cross. The Bible says that he was paraded as a defeated enemy at the cross. 
it's over. He's lost. His only weapon is the lie. And the only way we can succumb to a lie is if we let ourselves be deceived. Deception is something we have to cooperate in. The curse has been broken. He cannot overpower us with his deceptions anymore. That's something we allow to happen through our inability or insufficient knowledge of and understanding of the word of God that equips us to stand against his lies. We're not in a power struggle. We're in a true struggle. And that's why it's so important to make sure that we, as First John says, test the spirits. Are the people that we're listening to confessing Christ as sufficient? Or are they offering us something more that is really, as you said, nothing but a hollow bunny? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, Frank, my mind runs to, I don't know how else to say it. At this moment, my mind is just centered on what the dynamic in the garden in chapter three of Genesis must have looked like. Totally mm. peaceful, you know, enjoying a perfect creation, a perfect man, a perfect woman living in harmony, no shame, no fear, just the blessing of each other and the blessing of God and the blessing of his creation. Then all of a sudden, something curious pops up. And so they attracts their attention and just because you find something that looks so attractive and so nice and so good and it seems so right, doesn't guarantee that it's rooted in truth because it's mm. designed to deceive. And, mm. you know, I, I just look at the, from my own life, so look at the areas where I've struggled, you know, some of my recurring sins that, have, that I've wrestled with over the years. And how I can reach a point where they just don't seem so bad sometimes. Mm. And uh, the answer is, is so far from that. The truth is so far away from what I just said, that the truth is found only in Jesus. And these are horrible sins. And they do nothing but basically tie my shoelaces together when I run to win. <laughs> this is just what warfare is. And I guess this is not where my mind started when we began this podcast, but it's certainly where it's winding up now. The importance of understanding what warfare looks like and how we need to keep our shoelaces untied. You know, confess those sins that so easily beset us, the writers to Hebrews tells us. Uh, get rid of them, acknowledge them, put them aside so we can focus on the goal of winning the prize. It is so critical for diving into the hidden truths of Jesus. My mm. goodness. Sorry, man, I got off on a tangent before. <laughs> no. As you always say, it's a rabbit trail, but maybe it's a fat rabbit. There you go. This picture of Genesis 3, let's, let's be a little graphic as we describe that event. We got an innocent little lady, and she gets seduced by a crafty, beautiful eloquent creature that in the inside is a snake. That MO, that modus operandi hasn't changed, John. You know, if he came to us with blatant, arrogant lie, we'd recognize it. We'd go, that's a lie. But he comes to us in this crafty, eloquent, painting this beautiful picture isn't that what you want? 
but it's going to be a counterfeit source of life. And when we bite into it, whatever it is, those besetting sins, like you say, all they are really is a counterfeit means to life. And it's ultimately going to be death the moment you bite into it because sin never brings life. To tie it back into what we've been saying this whole time, life is found in Christ. Life is not found in things. Life is not found in other people, possessions, practices, behaviors. Life is found in the person of Christ. It's just so simple, but he's a very seductive, crafty creature. Amen. He tries to trip us up. Yep. Very much so. I'm going to turn the tables a little bit this time, Frank, and I'm going to wrap us up today with one thought. Everything we've been talking about, the deceptions, the warfare that we constantly wage or waged against us comes down to one thought. We're already victorious. And that victory is because we are in Christ. And in Christ is the solution to all the confusion. Because when you know Christ, you can easily sense when things are not quite right. You know, I'm thinking, Frank, uh, if you go to the lumber yard and you're trying to buy a piece of wood to build a piece of furniture, you, what do you do? You hold up every single board and there are 10,000 ways a board can be twisted, but there's only one way it can be straight. <laughs> and when you know straight, you're not going to fall for anything that's twisted, which is why we have been talking so long in this, actually, for the duration of this podcast, now mm. going on two years, that we got to know Christ because mm. he will help us to, to see what's not straight. My mm. goodness. I know you said you're going to end, but I know, but I, I should have known better. <laughs> you know, this one of the things the church has done historically is we take the songs of the world those popular songs that that just resonate, you know, music resonates the beat with our mind, our body. And then the church has taken those songs and made them into hymns. Probably one of the most famous was that hymn, We Praise Thee, O God, Our Redeemer, Creator. Uh, That was originally a bar song. You know, I once had a girl and her name was Matilda. She hugged like a bear and she looked like one too. And we took that and made it a hymn. Well, you will remember this. Maybe some of our listeners will, uh, our young people won't. But you remember back in the 80s, 90s, even into the 2000s, there was a Budweiser commercial. Do you remember it? Oh, yeah. The jingle was, when you say Bud, you've said a lot of things nobody else can say. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. when, When I was a young Christian, some friends of mine took that and took that bar song, that beer song, and turned it into a a hymn of praise for Jesus. And at the risk of losing future listeners, (laughs) I think it'd be fun to share that. They did this. When you say Christ, you've said a lot of things nobody else can say. When you say Christ, you've said you care enough to only want the King of Kings. There is nobody else. There's only something less because the king of kings is leading all the rest. And then they ended it with when you say Jesus. You know how it ends, don't you, John? You said it all. 
You've said it all. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that's right. You've said it all. And friends, you've gotten a double treat today because you've heard Pastor Frank sing. And if you know any record producers uh, past this recording by them, who knows? Maybe the guy will get rich. Well, you've been listening to uh, this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast as we've been chatting through chapter two of the Epistles of the Colossians. And if Father has ministered to you today in any way, please visit our website. Take a look around. We've got a bunch of articles, devotionals, eBooks, uh, newsletters, some books for sale, etc. Check us out because everything there is centered on one incredible truth. And Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior and our very life. While you're there, please navigate to the page and pop us an email. Sign up for our newsletter. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, follow us on all of our social media platforms. You'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Please sign up for that as well. Subscribe and ring the bell so you won't miss any new installments. And Frank, we hope there'll be some new installments soon. And of course, uh, you'll hear us wherever you hear your favorite podcast recordings. And of course, we ask you humbly to prayerfully consider supporting our resolute hope, both with your prayers and your finances. We cherish every partner we have because together we will herald the best news ever. Christ is our life. And as always, we close with the very same reminder, Frank, from Hebrews chapter six, that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Peter calls it a living hope. We call it a resolute hope. And that hope is a person, Jesus. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.